This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church around the world. I'm Greg Musselman. Since 2009, more than 52,000 Christians have been murdered in Nigeria. That's according to the Inner Society for Civil Liberties and Rule of Law based in southeastern Nigeria. And that includes more than 240 followers of Jesus that were massacred during the Christmas season in Plateau State. Yet the world appears mainly deaf to the killing of Christians in Africa's most populous country. And joining me to talk about the ongoing bloodshed against Christians in his home country is Mark Lipto, the founder of Stefanos Foundation, which is a Christian faith-based organization helping persecuted Christians in Nigeria based in Joss Plateau State. Mark, thank you for being on Closer to the Fire. Thank you, Greg, for having me. Yeah, it's good to see you, and uh, unfortunately, under difficult circumstances again, and as we talked about right off the top here, the world seems to be deaf when it comes to the killing of the follower of Jesus in Nigeria, and we're talking particularly the state of Plateau. So you're in Jos. We talked about these attacks during the Christmas season. You were recently there. What is the latest, Mark? Just around 23rd of December, uh, 2023, um, when Christians were preparing for Christmas it is a usual uh, scenario here where Christians get together as family and they start preparing by cooking meals, preparing uh, meats and all that, setting up tables for the next day. And we started seeing other communities reporting attacks and those communities were on the border of Bokos and Mangu. That was the first that reported about 17 people killed over 23rd. And we reported to the military, hoping that there would be help to protect the Christians in Bokos and Barakinladi. But the rest is news now. We are counting over 240 today. Oh. Uh, as I visited the camp yesterday, there are 13 camps of displaced Christians uh, and totaling over one, uh, 1.9 million as could be uh, estimated. So this is the situation uh, towards the, I mean, attack that has happened towards Christians in uh, that part of Plateau State in Nigeria. Yeah, and for those that are not familiar with Plateau State, it is more in the center, some call it the middle belt of Nigeria. And for many years, uh, missionaries even lived in uh, Jos, where you are, and a relatively safe area. Things, of course, have gotten more extreme as these groups like Boko Haram, the uh, Fulani militants, ISIS. And I was looking at your report that uh, you put out uh, not long after you had visited the first time. And uh, there were 30 communities in seven districts of three local government areas of Plateau State. And so when right. people hear about it, and, and not only because it's at Christmas, I mean, anytime people are killed, but it seems to make it worse. And, and we know that Christmas Easter often is a time that Christians are attacked, not only in Nigeria, but around the world. And one of the things that really struck me, Mark, reading your report, is that uh, these just weren't some mobs that were all sudden, let's go after the Christians. These were very well organized, and, and a, these groups were very well armed as well. 
Exactly, uh, Greg. It was an orchestrated, properly orchestrated attack targeting people they know uh, ahead of hand, the, the way the villages were you know, uh, attacked. You will know that the people had planned ahead of hand. And to know that within just some few hours, over 30 communities were attacked, this must have been a well-planned out attack. It's not uh, news to us in this part of uh, the world because we know that uh, Muslims in Nigeria call for Sharia at the wake of democracy in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And they forcefully demand that uh, Nigeria inaugurate all the states as Sharia states. Now, Sharia is a group of laws that is supposed to rule over the lives of Muslims. But in Nigeria, we have over 673 tribes that are here and over 200 million people that are majority Christians to demand for such a country to integrate Sharia will be uh, a, 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 a violation, a gross violation of their rights. And we, the Christians, have raised our voices against the demand for Sharia. And we have also called international community to look at that. But we saw that this attack that you are seeing today started with more attacks targeting Christians in northern Nigeria. At the slightest uh, perception of either violation of Islam or perceived violation of their religion, more Muslims will get to target either Christians or non-Muslims on the street and attack them. Their target is to kill. And we've recorded thousands of such targets that have happened in northern Nigeria. Uh, When the international community step into it, before we know it, northern Nigerian group themselves into terrorist group called now uh, and is popularly known as Boko Haram. Boko Haram has been designated as a terrorist group, international terrorist group, and is being treated as such. Immediately, we saw a different strategy that is arming a group of tribal headers men called Fulani. Right. The Fulani are 98% Muslims, and they proud themselves as the carriers of Islam into Nigeria. And they have histories of targeting ethnic people from centuries and killing them for Islam. Now, Fulani at the moment who are supposed to be herders and they have been living with ethnic people over the years are surprisingly being armed with firearms like AK-47. And you see them proudly moving with their cattle with AK-47. At a time when they want to target a community, they come on motorbikes armed with some of them being carried with AK-47 at the back of the motorbike and they target the communities. What we see and what we hear happening in Bokos here in, in the wake of Christmas Eve 
what we hear victims said is that this group come in successions. Some who came uh, in front were those who carry firearms and they shoot sporadically, scaring people. And then they are followed by those who carry machetes and whoever they come across, they hack them down and they make sure that they kill them brutally so that they scare people away from those communities. Then another group comes with petrol and, uh, uh, and matches to light up houses, burn churches, and destroy everything they see that is in those communities. This is the testimony of all the victims that we have met. They are not missing words about who the, the perpetrators are, all of them, even some of them, even said they know some who are uh, the perpetrators. They are their neighbors within the community. When I read that in your report, somebody was exactly. actually was injured, and they looked up and they recognized somebody that was their neighbor, somebody that they had relationships with. I mean, exactly. it's one thing if it's somebody you have no contact with. Uh, you know, Muslim versus Christian, that kind of thing. But with people that are actually living in their neighborhoods, the other thing that I also took from your report, Mark, is that the Christians welcomed many of these Fulanis in their community. They wanted to work together. They wanted to farm together. But then when the number started to shift and the Fulanis had the larger number, that's when some of this violence starts to occur. So yeah. when when you tell me about how that they come in in waves, you know, you got the first group, the second group, and it just gets more violent and they kill everybody. I mean, these things are obviously not happening, uh, you know, in secret in the sense that nobody knows it's going on. Uh, you know, from what I understand, the military does have some intelligence and even reports have been there that these are going to happen. But yet these communities are left vulnerable. Why is that yeah. happening? Because I Again, we can't comprehend it. Like, why would the military not want to protect their fellow citizens? Yes, Greg, these are, unfortunately, these are people that have enjoyed hospitality yeah. of the ethnic Christians over the years. Now, you know that herdsmen are nomads and they don't settle in one place, they move from one place to another in search for greener pastures for their cattle. So they are not people who have residence. And this is how they have enjoyed hospitality of the ethnic Christians over the years. What is surprising is that all of a sudden, these people you have known as good people, they are supposed to be living with you under your favor, are now behaving like your masters and making demands and horribly attacking you and killing. Some of them, when they are even approaching the village, the villagers do not have little idea that they were going to be killed. And they will brutally attack such people and kill them. The, the, the more annoying thing is that as I'm talking to you, Greg, these people are still living in those communities. As I visited those communities, they are still grazing their cattle where they just killed somebody two weeks ago. And 
the soldiers, the annoying thing is the soldiers are not protecting the communities that are burnt. The soldiers are rather protecting the armed Fulani men and they are moving freely within those communities. Yeah, well, so how do neighbors, people that are living supposedly peaceably, and I'm sure, you know, these were at one time, you know, good people. They wanted to get along, but they got radicalized somewhere along the line. How did that happen, Mark? How did these people that go from mainly peace-living people, they want to raise their families, they want to, you know, you know, increase their, their business, their work, how do they get so radicalized? One thing we got to understand is that Islam is a violent religion, but all along we had thought that it was a peace-loving organization, I mean a religion, because some of the Muslims we've lived with over the years were very friendly, and we had lived with some of them are even our brothers. What we're getting to understand now is that Islam is a gradual rise that we shouldn't learn to trust anybody who presents himself as a peace-loving Muslim because we had seen them as such. But all of a night, all of a sudden, they became radicalized. Why would somebody you gave land to all of a sudden target you on the same land and come with a knife to your throat? You will definitely be scared of such a person. This is what we are left with in this part of the world. And the annoying thing is the the government are not treating it as such as a threat to humanity. And we are expected to live with people that can rise at any time and do such a havoc. This is the plight of the Christians here. Now, you know that Christians were not just born Christians. We took on this religion as we were called by the heavenly God. Right. If yes. people were to also take up arms, the Fulani Muslims are the minority in this part of the world. It wouldn't take a day to wipe them away. But people are hopeful because we, are, we Christians are motivated by love. Yes. And we continue to love even to our death. Hoping that the, the government, the administration we depend on will somehow solve this problem that we are in. The unfortunate thing, Greg, is we do not just have a president that is a Muslim. We also have the vice president, a Muslim. Right. And we have a lot of the people in military are Muslims. The worst is that some whom they call are de-radicalized from Boko Haram have been assimilated into this same military that we trust to protect us. So no reason why we are handicapped. We are helpless because you are belonging, you are depending on people who have been so-called once radicalized and are now decided to be de-radicalized when are you going to determine that they have become radicalized again to kill you? Why should we put our hands, our lives in the hands of people that can be radicalized and de-radicalized at any moment? You can't determine their sanity. So this is the situation of the Christians in Nigeria. We are no abiding people. 
We are not criminals. We can take up arms. We only hope that someday the government we depend on will come to their senses and do something about it. But while we have those trust uh, break, many people are dying and many communities are being attacked as we are facing in Boko Haram and in the Black uh, Christmas event. Yeah, it, it was horrible. And I know that uh, I had, through my social media, tried to call you know people to pray. And I was thinking particularly about Nigeria and other countries. And unfortunately, this happened. And, you know, the sad part is, is that uh, our brothers and sisters are trying to live at peace. They're trying to show the love of Jesus uh, to and to, you know, to love their enemies, trying to follow what Jesus said. And yet people are being slaughtered. And, And I know the response still has been, and I've been there with you, actually, and been to Nigeria many times. Heard yes. the testimonies of our brothers and sisters that said, even, you know, I've lost family members. I've seen these horrible things, but I'm going to continue to love. So, Mark, maybe try to explain to our listeners, those that are watching us, what is the different agenda between the Boko Haram? Of course, we have ISIS as well, but, but particularly the Boko Haram, which we're m- more familiar with, but the Fulani militants now. And again, we want to say that there are many Fulanis that are wonderful people. Absolutely. They're, we're talking about these people that get radicalized. And the scary part is that even good people uh, mm-hmm. can get pulled into this uh, this terrorism. But what is the, would you say, kind of the basic differences between uh, the Boko Haram and the Fulani militants? Yeah, Greg, I wish I could say and give you any idea of a difference. But if I, probably if I was a Muslim, I would be able to say more. But I am convinced by what I watch here that they are one of the kind because the same havoc that is perpetrated by Boko Haram is worse being perpetrated by the Fulani uh, uh, headers militia who are majority of them are Muslims, Muslims. So we are getting to be convinced as Christians that it's about Islam. And maybe Muslims themselves don't know. It is, while you still believe, it may not have radicalized you now, but probably there is going to be a time that you will become radicalized. And maybe many Muslims need to know that. If you are not a violent Muslim now, probably you will be tomorrow. And that is our fear as Christians. How do we relate to you? How do we love Muslims? But we are hopeful as Christians that as we continue to trust in the creator, the father of our Lord Jesus, who gives us grace to continue to love, we will someday have a light in the tunnel. And this is our hope as Christians in Nigeria. So how do you manage that, Mark? And I know you have seen so much trauma uh, you know, you see your countrymen that have been killed, uh, you know, have gone to these places. And it's, I mean, even the photos are difficult to show, the videos, because it is horrendous uh, what people right. have done to our brothers and sisters. How do you navigate then between loving your enemies and mm-hmm. yet, on the other hand, you can't just put your hands up in the air. I'm, I'm a dad, I've got grandchildren. And if I knew somebody was coming uh, to kill my family, I'm going to want to do something to stop that. So how do you personally navigate that? Again, loving people, 
And, <laughs> and I know we've seen, and of course, the fact is many Muslims are coming to know Jesus, even terrorists. The Holy Spirit is working. We know that. But right. you want to protect your family. You're a family man, and you want to protect your community. How, and, and some of these areas where you go, especially in these rural areas, how, what do you tell your, our brothers and sisters about these attacks that could be coming? Defense, Greg, is a right. Yeah. And as Christians, if you fail to defend your family, you're worse than an infidel. We are hoping that when it comes to it, that the Holy Spirit will enable us to act in such a way that we protect our families. Mm -hmm. But I have heard testimonies of people who have been victim of it that have just had to lay their lives. What would you do when 300, 500 people targeting you alone with no arms? What are you going to do? The slightest move to react to any form of violence, to react against it, speaks to them about your, uh, you know, your, 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 your attempt to resist them. And they are going to stamp you out. They will think of the worst form of punishment to put against you for trying to show up that you can defend yourself. But then we know that we serve a God that gives us the power at a point to defend ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we are hoping that you will do that when time comes to it. But then we don't have an option but to love as Christians. Once you stop being a Christian or stop loving somebody, you're becoming worse than what you profess. And so we pray that God will help us to love, because in a situation like this, it's no longer us. We are human. And believe you me, if worse come to it, you will want to try your human capacity. But we've known that we are weak beings. There is nothing we can do. And again, if you learn to hand over such war and such battles to God, he's a very economical uh, general when it comes to such wars. You may not need to act. You may not need to put AK-47 there. And God will handle it. He has done it when the Israelites were crossing the Red Sea. He made them cross on dry land, but the enemy was drowned in the Red Sea. We still believe in that God today. Mm -hmm. and that's our hope. That when time comes for it, he's going to rise. And we hope that while we are alive, we're going to pass that hope from our generation to the generation to come. And we continue to hope until he acts. That is my hope and the hope of every Christian here in Nigeria. Right. And, and we do have to have that hope. And if we don't have it uh, and we get embittered, and, and I know that you know Christians are all at different levels in their maturity. Uh, some do react with violence, and then we know that escalates things. And I know yourself and other church leaders, especially in the north. And I was in Kaduna not long ago with a number of pastors, and you know, talking about you know how do we respond, and we mm -hmm. must respond in love. And again, having that eternal perspective is this isn't how it ends. And for some people, their death is is terrible. Uh, but we also yeah. know that uh, God is is on his throne. He knows what's going on, and he sees all the pain. You know, I uh, read a, a statement, Mark, from the U.S. mission in Nigeria that said, 
Uh, and I quote here, not a day goes by when Christians are not terrorized in Western Africa, the most grotesque ways imaginable. Christians are killed for sport, especially Christian children. For every massacre which you hear about, there are probably 10 others that happened in the shadows. The death toll routinely in the hundreds, and we've been talking about that in the Christmas right. massacre. Entire villages are burned and pillaged. Thousands of churches have been destroyed. Children and women are hunted down, and countless Christians have been kidnapped. Mark, right. how do you remain optimistic in the midst of all this? And do you have, I know you have hope in eternity, and I think we all do. We know that at the end, Jesus is going to come. And, and actually, I think I might have even been with you and met a lady that had lost, I think, eight or nine family members. And, you know, she was weeping. Ahajar was her name. And and I said, how are you dealing with this? And she said, because I know what it says in Revelation and Isaiah, that the tears, the sorrow, the pain will all be wiped away. But the reality mm -hmm. is we're humans. And when we lose loved ones, like you lost your wife a few years ago, uh, you know, it is it is hard. We're separated, but there's that hope. So I guess the question in then, Mark, again, kind of circling back to that, is are you optimistic then as you look forward? Do you, do you see any hope in light of what has gone on for many years in Nigeria with the killing of Christians? I don't have any option but to hope. Mm. Because... As the chaos and the violence continues, there is nothing that is left in the face of this other than the hope of Christians. Because many Muslims are becoming victims themselves. But I ask you, Greg, is it better to die believing in someone who has offered eternity after this death, mm -hmm. or you die rejecting him? For us as Christians, it is time to get close to God. And that means trusting him more. Right. So we have no option. We've got to trust him. We see hopelessness in the air. But we who know Jesus, we have more hope. Because even this hope we have, even this life we have hope, we are of men the most miserable. And so we hope for something that is yet to come. And we're waiting for it. And that is a better hope. I've seen a situation where Muslims themselves wonder why we have refused to carry out arms. Why are you still happy and continue to believe in this God? The reason is we have eternity. The hope for eternity. This is by a time just one, just very infinitesimally small a time to trust on. We have the whole lot of eternity to look forward to. Why should I waste my life and my belief in something that doesn't offer me any but eternity? I need to continue to believe that God, who has promised me will act, will someday act. But if he doesn't act now, I've got eternity in waiting. And that's the hope we have. And you've been doing this for a long time, Mark, and I uh, appreciate that. I know you work uh, very strongly and closely with our friends at Release International, and yes. uh, you're, you're doing an amazing work there. But the toll at times must be pretty intense. I mean, again, going back to your report, you had met uh, Reverend Gideon Duell. He was the district overseer for uh, Christ Apostolic Church. 
Uh, he was a victim in, in the, of the massacre. He lost his wife and five daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Mark, when you were with this, brings motion here. When you're with this brother, how do you even, how do you counsel and how do you, what do you say to somebody that has lost so much? Honestly, you lack words. You only can murmur prayer and be available. That's the best. We are trained to listen. Listen more than offering any solution. And for us, God is more with him than we trying to do anything about the situation. So we pray with such a one. Now, one thing you need to know is that God loves him more than we do. Even though the situation looks cruel, the hope is that the Bible says all things, even this, in all things, these work together for the good of those who are called by, I mean, according to his purpose. And I believe Reverend Gideon, who is a pastor, you cannot believe any other thing, but he's called for the purpose of God here on earth. We must believe that God knows what he's doing. And that's what we offer. It's difficult to tell someone who has gone through such a loss. It's difficult to offer anything, any understanding at all. But we, we beg to make him understand that God knows better. And he will do that. And just so that I can mention um, a little about what you say about uh, U.S. department here in Nigeria. Um, the unfortunate thing is if such report has been written from Nigeria, from the U.S. embassy, I wonder why U.S. withdrew Nigeria from being a country of special concern. I don't know. We, the Christians here, think that some of these international communities will understand as such, will respect their findings, and act on it. We are disappointed that the U.S. uh, report has been overlooked, and Nigeria was removed from country of uh, particular concern. And it's a disappointment. I'm hoping that U.S. government will rethink their stand about this and designate Nigeria as a country of particular concern. It doesn't make any sense, and it has to be political. I mean, that's the only thing that I can think because of the numbers, the reporting, what's going on in Nigeria. Uh, You know, I'd hate to think it's just political, but I guess as we go along here, we get a little more skeptical, right? Yeah, but politics, uh, uh, Greg, is supposed to do us good. What we see now, politics is being hypocritical. It's hypocritical. When governments begin to move away from the shoulder of Jesus, then government become hypocritical. And unfortunately, I see American government being hypocritical on this plight of Christians in Nigeria. What we are hoping is that our suffering will bring reality to appeal to their moral conscience, to think otherwise. Because governance is supposed to be there for the weak. When governance is there for any rich, then it does no good at all. But it's rather awaiting destruction. And I hope that American government will rethink their stand 
and designate the Fulani militant group as a terrorist group and act against them as such. Because we are getting there. We keep crying. We kept crying about Boko Haram. We went to Geneva. We went everywhere trying to appeal to the international community about the threat from Boko Haram. Today, they designated community, uh, uh, Boko Haram as, as, as a terrorist group. But it yeah. took years and yeah, it took yeah. so many lives, innocent lives, before the international community sat up to reality. When are they going to sit up to the reality of the threat from the Fulanese? We are hoping that that will be the time our God will act and the right government will come in place to act in our favor. Well, we will pray that that will happen. I know there's so many other things that are going on in our world. It seems to be spinning out of control. Uh, we see what's happened with you know Russia attacking Ukraine, uh, what's going on in Israel and Gaza. Uh, but we can't forget about what's happening in Nigeria, and especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of the things that, and, and I don't want you to get to pray here in just a moment, but why are Christians in the North not getting more support from our brothers and sisters, Christians in the South, when they should be the ones that should be, certainly I care about it, and there's many people around the world that care about what's going on in Nigeria. I mean, our ministries here in Canada, uh, you know, Voice of the Martyrs, and, and I've worked with Christian uh, Media in Canada, 100 Huntley Street, we've raised support to help girls get rehabilitated that have been kidnapped by groups like the Boko Haram and all the things that are going on, helping our brothers and sisters, the widows and all that, from Canada, we have a responsibility as followers of Christ. One part of the body suffers. We all suffer. But why? And I know it's ha some churches, certainly. I'm not going right. to paint it all the same in the South, but overall, it doesn't appear that there's there's a lot of support uh, for your organization and other organizations that are trying to help the persecuted church in northern Nigeria. Right. Yeah, Greg, is difficult. The situation in Nigeria is complex. What we see divides itself north and south, region to region, state by state, tribe and tribes. That is what is happening. Even when it comes to the Christendom, denominations are not together. And it makes it more difficult for a unified response. Our organization, Stephanos Foundation, have come to be respected because we are non denominational and we are open to receiving support from any denomination so that we can reach out to this any single christian that is suffering no matter what the denomination is but i tell you it's going to be difficult to respond from denominations because what will happen when the pentecostal from southern nigeria raises money under their ethical beliefs they get to northern Nigeria, and just to discover that all the churches there are Catholics, and they are supposed to support the Catholic Church. You will then ask, what is the Catholic Church doing that is not responding to the needs of its people on ground? Hmm. So being a Christian, having been working in this uh, situation for over 20 years, I can see the difficulty of the denominations. But thank God for groups like ours uh, that is available. We receive support from different denominations and reach out to the slightest people on ground 
Even Muslims right. who are humanitarianly in need, we also reach out to them. And that is what is helping. If not, Nigerian Christians are trying to come together and the best we could come to was five blocks. And when it comes to ethics, biblical ethics, we differ. And you want a, a denomination that profess your faith, perfectly profess your faith to survive. Now, it's going to be difficult. And so this is what my understanding is. But we are getting there gradually. And hopefully we'll form a group that will respond effectively. People are responding now. People support us from the South, churches from the South. Yeah. Even though it's enough, we hope we were hoping that bigger churches will come. But they are just a group of one, you know, one set of denomination in Christian Association of Nigeria. You can't keep depending on the largest churches to do something because they are a Pentecostal group of the Christian Association of Nigeria. So we, in as much as we look to the Christians in South, they are doing their best, even though it's not enough yet, but we are trusting that we will get there someday. And this is the difficulty we face. In, no matter how hard it is, we need to move forward on, you know, getting support. Is there some theological issues, though, too, Mark? Uh, I know the prosperity gospel and, and you know, not wanting even to talk about persecution. I mean, as I've traveled in Nigeria, you're right. It's so different in the south, uh, you know, into the north because, you know, the believers there have faced persecution. So they tend to know more about what the scriptures teach about suffering for righteousness, where in the South, which has been very affected uh, by America, uh, some of the theology coming out of North America, including here in Canada, has that caused some problems as well uh, in terms of maybe getting support from the South to the North just on theological basis? Well, it does. There are, like I said, there are challenges. Uh, I would rather see more of uh, Protestants versus Catholicism because we see evangelistic churches that be believe in evangelical movement against churches like Catholics that are ethically believing in setting up uh, a system that has lasted in leadership for thousands of years. They don't see evangelical Christians as uh, you know, authentic or knowing what to do. They are not welcome if you go by ethics of evangelistic uh, uh, evangelism. They don't believe that you should go uh, preaching Christ to the Muslims. They don't believe that you should put loudspeakers in marketplaces and disturb the people because you are, you are offending them. So some of those ethical grounds also affect. But then we are learning now uh, that it is not just Catholics or Protestants. It's not just prosperity Christians or that, because when the chiefs are down, all the churches, whether they are Pentecostal churches, Catholic churches, or evangelical churches of any kind, they have been burned down. So Nigerian Christians are getting to understand that, and we are coming together gradually. Hopefully, tomorrow, it, things will change. Well, we pray things that will change. And, uh, you know, I was in a prayer meeting at our local church here early this morning on a cold Canadian morning, and it was great to see, you know, people there. But in our focus, 
as we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, is today was about unity. You know, we need to forgive those that have sinned against us because we have been forgiven. And then in out of forgiveness, that comes that unity within the body of Christ. And I know it's got to be discouraging at times, Mark, because we see the fracture in the church. The Lord wants us to be unified. And then we've got these, you know, enemies coming at the church, trying to destroy the church. And we know what the Bible says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We need to be sharing the gospel. Certainly there's differences in the church. I mean, if, where I live here in Canada, I mean, I go to a church once in a while. It's primarily folks from Africa, very different in the way we worship at our church, but we love Jesus. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. And we can have unity. And uh, we and there's one thing about persecution I've learned in my more than 20 years of traveling is when it hits, you know, various church communities and different denominations, there tends then to be a unity because we are following Jesus. But it, unfortunately, it takes difficult times. Mark, before we close our time today, can you pray? Can you lead us in prayer? And uh, I'll invite those that are listening or watching this podcast to join together as we pray for Nigeria. I mean, we've been talking about Plateau State, Northern Nigeria, but uh, it it's in chaos. I know that, you know, there's economic situations, there's all these things going on, but we want to pray that, that the Lord will continue uh, to build his church in Nigeria, because we know that many are coming to know Jesus, which ultimately is why there's persecution. People are coming to know the Lord. And uh, so can you lead us in prayer, brother? Yes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you very much for this opportunity you've given us to speak with brothers far away from our country and yet thinking very much of us in the midst of this chaos. Thank you for brothers in Canada. Thank you for those in America and Europe. Thank you, Lord, even for those from Middle East that are rising to look at the situation here in Nigeria. We are grateful, oh Lord, for the for counting us as worthy to go through this. And we are trusting, Lord, that you whom we trust are the best general we can ever have. Mm-hmm. You are not weak. And we trust that you will rise. We know that in as much as brothers care all over the world, that you care more because you are the creator. You are the one who made us. And we are encouraged by the fact that you say all things, even this, work together for our good. Yes. As we struggle to find what the good is, Lord, we are praying that you help our weakness. Help us Christians in Nigeria Help the victims who are struggling at this moment, living in cold, and those without food and shelter. Lord, we trust that you will reach out to them. And thank you for those who are praying all over the world for us here. Father, that you continue to hear their prayer and cry as we unite together to respond to what is befalling our faith here on earth. Thank you, Father, for this giving us the privilege to pray and thank you for answering our prayers. This we believe that you've heard us 
because we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Mark, thank you so much uh, for sharing with us. <laughs> so appreciate, you know, you doing all that you're doing. I'm sure you've had opportunities to leave the country. You're a family man. I know you love the people of Nigeria. Uh, you have a strong calling on your life. You've done amazing work. And, uh, you know, it's been good to see you again and look forward to seeing you again in the near Thank future. You. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to pray for Nigeria. Uh, just before right. we go, those that are watching the podcast, if I could ask you to maybe uh, write a review uh, to this podcast, share it with your friends. Uh, we want people to be praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters. You know, what Mark and I have been talking about isn't often heard on, uh, you know, on secular mainstream media. In fact, I was at a church meeting this morning praying, and I was uh, telling uh, some of the guys I was with that I was going to be talking to Mark today and told them what happened over Christmas, and they had no idea. Uh, there's a mm. few news sources uh, that I've seen, but very, very few are talking about what's going on there uh, with the terrible bloodshed. And uh, so this is an opportunity not only to hear what's going on, but how we can practically help. Uh, I'll, I'll put on some information here. I know that uh, Stephanos works with uh, Release International in the UK. Uh, there's also, right. of course, the Voice of the Martyrs. We work in Nigeria. Uh, so continue to be praying. And again, Mark, thank you so much. Mark Lipto is the founder of Stephanos Foundation. And again, that right. is a Christian faith-based organization helping persecuted Christians in Nigeria based in Joss in Plateau State. Again, thank you, Mark. God bless you, brother. And uh, continue to do the amazing work you're doing. I know it's difficult, um, but you, you're, it's so necessary as you bring hope to many people that have lost so much. So again, on behalf of us at Voice of the Martyrs and brothers and sisters all around the world, thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Greg. And till we see you another time. Thank you. God bless. God bless you too. And, uh, you know, we think about Nigeria, the believers there, they are close to the fire. And as I say after every program, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire. Thank you.